Welcome to Potluck, a podcast from the Great Plains Conference. I'm David Burke from the Conference Communications Office. Thank you for joining us. One of the longest standing traditions in Methodism, perhaps more so in the Great Plains, is the Potluck Dinner. Everybody brings out their best to share with their friends and fellow church members. Sometimes you know what you're going to get, sometimes you walk away with something unexpected. That's our goal here at the Potluck Podcast. It's a salute to the inspirational ministries in churches large and small in the two state areas and sometimes beyond. If you walk away feeling nourished and fulfilled, we've done our job. Welcome to Potluck. After 40 years as a reporter, first for the Topeka Capital Journal and now for WIBW Television, Phil Anderson went from writing about churches, pastors, and ministries to being a pastor of his own churches. Phil is in the middle of course of study to become a United Methodist minister, and during that time of education, he is pastor of Kansas Avenue and Oakland United Methodist Churches, both in Topeka. As well, he's very busy working as a reporter for WIBW Television, so busy that we've had to reschedule this interview several times. So, uh, Phil Anderson, welcome to Potluck. Thank you, David. My pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Thank you. I guess, first of all, tell me about your, your journalism background. I, I had uh, 28 years in counting and, well, yeah, 28 years in counting in professional journalism, and you've got a couple of years on me. How did you get into it, and, and what, uh, what drew you to it? That's a good question. I always feel like it was just the area that God led me into, even much younger. You know, when you start out, you don't always have a game plan for where you're going to go, but it just seemed to kind of navigate that way. My father, Paul Anderson, was a printer at the Topeka Capital Journal for many years. And so I kind of grew up around the newspaper business. But I was back in the composing room back in those days where they had the hot lead and the smell of the ink and just the press was running. It was an exciting place to be with two papers a day back in the 60s and the 70s. And then I went to college. And of course, I enjoyed doing journalism there at Emporia State University. and then. I ended up going over to the University of Kansas as well, but I did teach a year of journalism and English at Topeka High School. And then early 1980s, I believe it was about 1980, I started working on the sports desk at night at the Capitol Journal, just taking sports scores in. And some of them were from small colleges or larger colleges. And so I kind of had my foot in the door even then as far as staying with the actual newspaper business. And then in, I believe, July of 81, I started working at the newspaper in a full-time capacity and really have been doing that ever since. So it's just been a really good ride. And I just never really thought about doing anything different until this opportunity to serve as a minister came along. And I've been blessed to be able to do that as well on top of what I'm doing. So it's been a really good situation. Oh, great. Great. I, uh, I was one of those high school kids who would call in scores and box scores to uh, the Capital Journal and other papers. So we may, we may have talked to each other way back when. Very likely we did, David. <laughs> um, and then uh, you, you made the switch after all those years, nearly 40 years from print journalism to broadcast journalism. How did, how did that come about? Well, you know, it was a tough decision to make, but I had the opportunity to go over to do some work in television and it just seemed like it was the right move to make at that particular time and although it was a tough decision i feel like it's exactly the right one i've really enjoyed it. i've been there since march 16th of this year 
And so my last day at the Capitol Journal was March 13, 2020, the day after the coronavirus really blew up. And my first day at WWW-TV was the following Monday, March the 16th, 2020. So I'll tell you what, it was quite a ride there as we were all just trying to deal with the incredible amount of change that was going on seemingly every minute almost at that time with the coronavirus. And so it was not an easy or smooth transition. It was really hitting the ground with my feet running. You know, as I told someone, it was sort of like a popcorn popper without the lid on it. It just seemed like every second something was happening at that particular time for about that week. And, and then in the midst of all that, we were dealing with the church situation and what were we going to do with our churches. So we, uh, we had to deal with that at the same time. And it was, it was a very eventful time. Looking back, you know, you wonder how you get through things like that, but it's just one step at a time. And, you know, God's got everything under control. So it, it never seemed to be a panic situation or a desperate situation, but it was indeed quite a time to make a transition like that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and I have to wonder, as, as an old journalism person as well, was there a, a big learning curve for you switching from newspaper to TV? Well, you know, the main area that it's been a learning area has been the technology as far as going into the video area. I, for a long time, took almost all of my own photos for a long, long time, starting out with a small digital camera that we had back about 20 years ago with the newspaper. Then, you know, as our smartphones have developed, we could take some really good pictures with those. I also had the long lenses on a Nikon camera, and I, I had a Canon camera, and so I would take a lot of photos uh, with me with with the, the stories I would go out on. I very rarely asked a photographer to go with me, and that that was the case probably for a couple of decades or more. But you know, the video part has been the challenge, and just learning how to do that, and then to consolidate our stories into a smaller um, increments, you know, to, to, if I was to write a story for the newspaper, try to put it on air, it would take us through the entire six o'clock hour into, into six thirty. We'd be in the wheel of fortune, you know, by the time I got done. So I've had to learn to really consolidate the stories. It's, and that's been a big challenge. Oh, we but can't, it's, it's going well so far. It's going real well. We can't interrupt wheel of fortune. Definitely not. <laughs> no. A lot of phone calls. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with more with Phil Anderson right after this. Good news! Christ is still very much alive and well, working in the world today. I'm Todd Seifert, and I invite you to check out my podcast, In Layman's Terms. Once a month, this podcast tells stories of people serving the risen Christ in the world today. Other weeks of the month, I share a reflection on a passage from the Bible aimed at people who with no background in Scripture, who find the Bible difficult to understand, or who just feel like they need a refresher on parts of our sacred texts. And it's all done in plain English, in layman's terms. So find my podcast on the Great Plains Conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Welcome back to Potluck. We're talking to Phil Anderson, who is a... Uh, reporter at WIBW Television in Topeka, as well as being a minister in uh, Kansas Avenue and Oakland United Methodist Churches, both in Topeka. Phil, what, what is your call story? That's a good question. I think it 
goes back to when I was young. I mean, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. I remember people at church. I would be at the church almost every time the doors opened, especially as I got a little bit older, maybe in my 10, 11, 12 year old age range all the way through. If we had Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was almost always there. But I remember some of the older people said, you're going to be a minister. You're going to be a pastor someday. And I kind of always agreed with them, although I never told them that at the time. But as far as going into active ministry with churches, I can't say I ever really thought a whole lot about that. Maybe I just didn't think I was qualified or that, you know, I was good enough, whatever the situation might have been. I did a lot of work with churches, with youth groups and helping out with Sunday school classes, things like that for a long, long time. And I grew up in the Evangelical Covenant Church, which was right across the street from First United Methodist Church in downtown Topeka. So oh. although I wasn't a Methodist at that time, you've got to give me a little credit that I was across the street from a Methodist. Close. And, Close. Yeah, and, 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 and I think there's a lot of closeness, not only geographically, but theologically between the two, you know, there's a, a tremendous uh, sharing of our faith stories and traditions, as I've learned a little bit about the United Methodist Church of the West League and others, but no, I, I, I feel like it was a case of just an ongoing process that all the way through, I tried to always just be open to the Lord. I can say that I wasn't always following him maybe as close as I would like to as I look back, but I never felt like I lost my faith or that I uh, let go of God, even in the midst of difficulties. And I think sometimes God puts us through challenges like that. So we have a different viewpoint that we share with our congregation. So after doing this for a while, you know, just kind of being, being, uh, I guess, sort of a, a lunch bucket Christian, I guess you could say, someone who just sort of really tried to take the faith and make it real, not so much to be, um, oh, just caught up in all the religious aspects, but to really make it a real relationship with myself and Christ. I feel like there's been a lot of growth and I've learned a lot. And certainly I've learned not to point fingers at folks because I've made my share of mistakes. So it, it's through that whole process that I've, all this really kind of happened. And I can tell you how, you know, just recently even I was in touch with someone through the newspaper a friend of mine, Sean O'Trimble, who I'd written stories about going back over 20 years, you know, in different aspects when Sean was in the musical business here in Topeka. And then we would sort of stay in touch every couple of years. He'd call me, he'd have something for me. And so we would stay in touch. And finally, Sean and his wife, Carrie, were going to have twins. I hadn't heard about that about three years ago. So I- Luke and Leia, I, yes. They, yeah, I think I think they've heard about that also. I'm not so sure. I don't know if they knew about it. But I, I said, if they needed anybody to come in and do some guest speaking, let me know. Because I know sometimes it's hard to find somebody. And so Sean said, sure, come on. You know, we'll put you down for a couple of dates. And I think the first date was the Sunday after Easter of 2017. And then I spoke a couple more times. And it ironically, it was at both of these churches I'm now serving at Oakland and Kansas Avenue. And so there were several several more of those. And matter of fact, and I joined the Kansas Avenue Church as a member, and that became sort of my home church. But uh, it was just kind of through this whole process. And after that, the, the door started seeming to open, and it just felt like God was leading me into this. And, you know, I'd go through one door, David, and I would go like, man, I don't know if I, this is right for me or not. You know, then I, I'd, look, I'd, I'd go through the door, and there'd be like a hallway with, 25 other doors now. So I've now got to go through some other doors to see where this leads. And I remember telling my wife one time that I felt like this was a time maybe for me just to kind of sit back and, and consider everything. And 
and she really encouraged me to go ahead and, on faith go through some of these doors so i got to give my wife Gloria a lot of credit but so far it's just been such a blessing and i feel like i've grown so much and still have a long ways to grow you're talking about the difference between newspapers and television you know and there's been a lot of difference between just being a lay person and being a minister but the churches have been so good so welcoming and supportive and i just I'm just really blessed. I, I I look forward to my Sundays. That's my highlight of my week is Sunday morning. Oh, great, great. You are in the the process of course of study. And for those who don't know, what what is course of study? Well, as a matter of fact, a coworker at the TV station was asking me that that yesterday morning. And so the best way I could describe it is the course of study is a program through which people like myself who have not gone to seminary receive training, education in terms of theological subjects and also ways to conduct churches, actually. And so there's a couple of prerequisites for all of the courses. Now I've taken both of the prerequisites, unless there's something different I don't know about, but I think that I have completed that. The first one was called Theological Heritage, and that was a look at people such as John Wesley and, and some of the early leaders of the church and sort of how does the Methodist church conduct its business, if you will? What do we believe? And then we did that course back in February and March. And then the one we just did in uh, early August through Zoom was Biblical uh, Introduction to the Bible. And that was pretty much looking at the New Testament primarily, but there were some looks at other parts of the Bible. So both of those classes, although one was in person, at least the first part, the second session was a weekend session in March, and we had to do that on uh, Zoom also because of the, the virus coming right the week before. They were, I think, uh, precaution, you know, precaution ruled the day, and we had to switch at the last minute. But 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 the other class in, in August, that was strictly on Zoom instead of going up to St. Paul's School of Theology in Leewood, but it was just, uh, both of them very helpful for me, especially, and some of the folks that are in the classes have probably been doing the ministry work longer than me, but they, uh, they, uh, they were both very helpful, and I'm looking forward to the next few classes that I'll be taking. So you're supposed to take, uh, I believe, uh, two per year if you're half-time, which I am, and four per year if you're full-time licensed local pastor, and their goal is to get through 20 classes of the course of study within that account, uh, that allotted period of time. So right now I'm just doing the two per year at this point. I might up, up it a little bit at some point, but two is keeping me plenty busy. And there's oh, a sure. nice little break between the two. Yeah, a lot of reading, more read. I've got, a, I'm developing quite a library of books on these subjects, but I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been good. You can't be a pastor without a lot of books. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, is uh, is being a pastor so far in in your pastoral career and uh, the course of studies and everything, is it everything you thought it would be or were there been some surprises along the way? Well, I I think if anything, the surprise has been how gracious people have been. I, I didn't expect a lot of problems really or anything like that because I always believed in, you know, I'm trying to serve the, the, the congregation, but in areas that I hadn't had any experience in at all, such as maybe leading funeral services or memorial services. And some of those have been things that have really, I felt gone well. And I feel like it's been a real honor to provide those services to people. Some of them were connected to the church. Some were not connected to the church. And I think that was maybe one of my biggest concerns going into this is just how am I going to do some of these 
more formal situations. I, I wasn't as concerned about doing the Sunday services so much because I already done some of that. And I actually, like I said earlier, that's been my highlight of the week. But some of the other things, I haven't done everything, but I I think I've conducted one wedding and I don't know a number of funeral services. But but the, that's kind of been a surprise that it has gone well. Again, people have been gracious to allow me to um, kind of bring some of the elements in the that maybe I've just experienced through my life and 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 in these other services that are more of a I don't know, special nature. And, and again, it's just about honoring the, the people that I'm serving, whether they're getting married or whether we're conducting a service to honor the one who's just passed away. So it's, that's been, that's maybe been a bit of a, of a surprise that that has gone maybe as well as it has. Great, great. Can you compare and contrast your, your two current occupations, uh, being a reporter and being a pastor? Is there Comparison, how, how do you bring the skills from reporting into ministry? Well, I think one of the main ones is to listen. And, and, and that's always a challenge because, you know, I, I can go up and do a sermon probably and speak about 55 or 60 minutes. I don't think anybody wants to hear me speak yet for 60 minutes. But, but talking isn't the problem. The problem is to listen. And so I have learned that uh, you need to make sure not to speak as much, maybe to let people say what they're going to say, whether I agree with them or not, even it doesn't matter, but just to really practice the art of listening so that they feel valued and that I can maybe understand them a little bit better. And I think through doing that, there's been a lot of understanding that has come through where maybe at first I wasn't for sure where a person was coming from. And then I really listened to them and I realized, that I believe they were really seeking to do the best that they could for the church in particular, and that we really had a meeting of the minds. If, if I would have just started spouting off and saying what I thought, you know, it could have caused some issues. I mean, you know, we could have had some differences, and I found that really, in a lot of cases, there were no differences that really existed. It was maybe just a way of communicating, and, you know, I think that's just true with, with both of these areas that I need to listen to people who I'm reporting on so that I can present their story as accurately as I can and in the same way with the folks in the churches. And, you know, I think we all want to see the churches grow. We are challenged with that, especially now with having to limit our services with COVID still going on. But as I told them that, you know, our, our goals still remain the same, and that is that we want to share the love of Christ with other people and to invite them to that relationship with Christ, whether it's through the churches that we are in or whether it's elsewhere, but we would certainly welcome more people to come to our services and we want them to feel welcome that when they do come, we're valuing them. So, I mean, I just think the whole idea is communication and, and developing relationships. It's hard to develop a relationship if one side's doing all the talking. So when one person listens, I find the other person is a little more willing to listen to. So hopefully, I can do that, and I'm sure I can improve on it, but that's, that's been a key is between those two is just the art of listening. Great, great. You, uh, you're a busy guy. We've, we've already talked about the fact that uh, we've had to reschedule this interview several times because uh, your, your work popped up there. Uh, is it tough to balance the two going from WIBW to your churches in a day? Do you, do you like that balance? How, how, uh, how do you keep control of your life? 
Well, that's always a challenge. And I have to be really good at time management because I also have uh, sons that are in sports. I have one son, Jacob, he's a football player at Washburn University. Now they've canceled their season. I was just looking at my calendar book a minute ago. If their season hadn't been canceled, I would have been heading down to Joplin, Missouri tomorrow night, I believe. Missouri uh, Southern. Yeah, would have been heading down there. Or if not tomorrow, the next week. So, yeah, would have been going down there on the road. And then uh, my other son plays on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Topeka High in soccer. So then my older son, he just had, he and his wife just had their first baby about a month ago. And my oldest, uh, our daughter, she has two young ones. So we've got not only the jobs to kind of balance out, but also our families that are real important to us. And we're thankful that all of our kids either are still at home or they're within about a mile and a half of our house a lot of people the kids leave town we're, we're thankful they're close by but but i mean i think it's it's just a lot about boundaries you know they talked about our boundaries oh back in the licensing school last summer up in we went to Kozad, nebraska for a week and great bend for a week and those were just huge those were like boot camps for new pastors getting into the mm-hmm. license local pastoring one of them was conducted before we started for about two weeks before we took our uh appointments and then the second one was about three weeks into our new appointments i guess you would call them and and so it was very helpful very practical and that was one thing they said we got to have boundaries and the people at the church have been really respectful that because i'm only about a quarter time at each church and so i've I've tried not to let the time limits affect how i'm serving them on the other hand they've been good to recognize that i've got some limitations on my schedule so again it's it's uh They've been very gracious to me, and, and, and I think they're receptive if I've said, hey, I've, I've got to kind of watch my hours this week. We've even had to switch our, our administrative council meetings because of some of my other commitments. So usually it's on a Tuesday. We move until Wednesday for the next couple of months. And, you know, that didn't seem to cause too much for a problem. I'm glad it didn't. You never know how these things go. But everybody was understanding. And uh, so, no, I, it's, it's just about uh, making sure that I really get my full attention to uh, whatever I'm doing at that moment. But you know, the, the honest thing is, you know, I think we're always in ministry, whether you're a, a paid clergy or a full-time clergy or you're a lay leader, we all have ministries that we do. And I think so much of it is that we try to represent Christ wherever we go, love people, we honor them, we respect them, we treat them with dignity, no matter who they are or, or where we find them, whether they're at work or in our neighborhood or where we are. And so I really feel like that's been huge because I believe everybody's called into the ministry if you believe in Christ. So. In that regard, I feel like there's no off days or I don't <laughs> clock in and clock out. It's always, hopefully it's a 24-7 deal. Amen, amen. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be back with more with Phil Anderson right after this. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. 
Welcome back to Potluck. We're talking to Phil Anderson, who uh, has a split career as a reporter for WIBW Television, formerly with the Topeka Capital Journal, as well as being pastor of the Kansas Avenue and Oakland United Methodist Churches, all here in Topeka. And Phil, t tell me about these two churches, the, the, the characteristics of each of them. Well, they are both real special places. And as I said, I had a bit of an advantage, David, because I had some familiarity with these prior to coming here and serving them. But the churches have very long histories, first of all, in Topeka. Kansas Avenue United Methodist Church is located at 1029 North Kansas Avenue. And for those who are familiar with Topeka, it's at the northern edge of what's called the North Topeka Arch District, otherwise known as NOTO. And that church goes back now 151 years. That's a long time. Survived the 1951 flood, although that flood did take out their beautiful sanctuary. It's now a grassy area just to the south of the building that we use right now for our worship and for our fellowship hall. But the people in that church are great. They're the most talented folks. They're loving, they're giving, they're generous. They're very much on fire for the Lord. They're just a, a blessing to me. I really love them, and, and they welcome him with open arms. It's very easy to go to that church and feel at home from the first day you go there, and they're just good folks. A lot of people doing a lot of work. I think this is true with both of these churches, but in a smaller church, especially with not a lot of administrative support staff, it takes everybody pulling together to do things. We've got people that do the building maintenance, the yard work, the finances, the communication, the sending out of letters that I might want to go out. And all of these things take time. And there are folks that generously give it their time. They're joyful about it. And they just do a wonderful job. And so I would say Kansas Avenue is marked just by that warmth and that love. And it's a little bit larger of a church than Oakland. I'd say before we had the COVID shut down a little bit, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 folks coming on Sundays. And that number has gone down, as you can imagine, since we resumed meeting in person on July the 5th. And so we're meeting downstairs in the fellowship hall there, but the services have gone well. People have kept their social distance. They've all worn masks. They kept their, their precautions in place. We have hand washing. We have everything really in place. And as soon as the service is over, busy as bees, they get out and they start spraying down those metal folding chairs that we're using down there. So we have a couple of really good musicians that help out. We're up on a bit of a platform and uh, Joe Canson and Angie Price, they are fantastic musicians and it really has added a lot. Even though people aren't really out there singing a lot, it just brings that element to it. So it's, it's a great church. I always invite people to come to that church. We got some good plans for that church coming forward. I think some of them will happen we're, we're in the process, actually, of moving forward on some of them, even though we can't do it in person. But we're trying not to just get stuck here. Oakland is a bit of a smaller church. It also has a very long history. I believe 132 years it was founded, about 1888 over there in Oakland. For those of you who don't know Topeka, well, there's a community in northeast Topeka that's called Oakland. And the Kansas River bends downtown. A lot of people don't know that, but it takes a real bend. So you feel like you're over in North Topeka when you're in Oakland, whereas in fact you are in Northeast Topeka. I have to cross the Kansas River two times to get here if I go across <laughs> the Kansas Avenue Bridge or the Peak Boulevard Bridge, either one, because I got to cross it once you get to North Topeka, then I got to cross it again to get over here to the east here in Oakland. 
And Oakland's a unique community. It's, it's again, an area of town that a lot of people probably, even in Topeka, haven't ever been to because you almost have to want to come here. There's no real through streets that come here. And so there's a great history here as well. And the church is down in numbers a bit. Maybe we were running, I'd say, around 25 to 30 on our Sundays prior to COVID. Now we're getting about 15 people coming back. Beautiful sanctuary that was built in 1961 and holds about 350 people. So I always tell folks, hey, if you want a social distance, we got the place for you. <laughs> 350-seat sanctuary and only about 15 people. Social distancing is not a problem here. Wow. And, and, and we have some great people here, too, that are so on fire. There's uh, one person in particular, I will just call his name, and that is Ralph Colley, who goes out and gets food from some of the local distribution sites right now over to Topeka Rescue Mission, and Ralph does that two days a week to Topeka North Outreach. And, and we do a food drop out here in the parking lot that we were doing, then we had to kind of scale back on it because we didn't have the numbers to support it with harvesters here. But it's just kind of reinstituted itself in the last few months, really since COVID. And Ralph is just one of these tireless workers who that's his ministry. And I just said, just go for it. I can't do everything. And that's, I've, I've just tried to say, you guys, if you, if God gives you a ministry, please go. Don't wait on me because I'm not going to be able to do everything you can do. And so Ralph and several others in the church have been real involved with that. We get 60 people coming through on Tuesday nights getting these boxes of fresh produce that are, 30, 40 pounds heavy. Sometimes they put dairy products in the meat. And it's really important right now because a lot of folks are struggling, especially when they're in this part of town. So mm -hmm. I got to give Ralph a lot of credit. We've got other people that do the business, the bookkeeping. I kind of hate to call one person out. Ralph's that kind of person, though, at, at, at Oakley here. Um, Norbert Canson kind of does some of the same things over at Kansas Avenue. And then there's just a host of other people. I don't want to leave them out, but I'll just leave it with those two guys. They're kind of our point guys to kind of get some of these things going. And other people are involved that help them out. And, and I think it shows that these churches really want to serve the communities. We don't want to be introverted. We want to be sharing the love of Christ in real practical, tangible ways with other people. And if we can connect with other ministries in town, we want to do that. And that's something that we've really worked at. And I think it's already been going on since I got here. It has just continued to go. And so the love of Christ is showing up in real practical ways thanks to these hardworking, dedicated, loyal people. Good. Always good to give the, the hardworking lay people a shout out. So good. Absolutely. Good we couldn't do it without them. They're, yep. They are a blessing. They really bless this whole, they bless the church, but they bless the community both. Exactly. Exactly. So you talked about plans for the future. What do you, what do you see as, as uh, the future in these churches and, and where do you see yourself in the future? Well, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on that. I just try to take it a day at a time and honestly just, I really would like to see that these churches will expand their visions for what God has for them to do. And part of that, I think, is just continue to encourage them. I, I, I really feel like every Sunday, my job is to encourage them so that we, 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 we give the word of God, we, we encourage them as much as we can, and then we want them to go out and share that with us. We want them to grow spiritually. We want them to think sink their roots down deeper into the Lord, into their relationship with Christ. And I believe that's just going to bear fruit. There's no way it can't but help but bear fruit at that point. And so the vision for me is that they would then develop their own ideas for what God may be calling them to do. Maybe it's a little bit of things that are a little different. There's a, 
a workshop coming up in the end of October here that the Great Plains Conference is going to be sponsoring, and it's called uh, From the Steeple to the Street. Right. And I just found out about that recently, and I really want to encourage them to do that. It's on a day where I think I can actually be a part of it, at least for several <laughs> hours. But 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 just the idea of let's don't look at the numbers here and get discouraged. Let's see what we can do. So I want to I want to encourage them to build upon what they've got already in place, which is good people, dedicated, loyal people, God-fearing and Christ-loving people. And let's build on that and, and move on out a little bit from where we're at. In spite of the limitations that we have been presented with this year, it's not a time to throw in the towel, in my opinion. So I want to see them to continue to grow. And I'm always getting visions on what we can do. I have to be careful. I don't throw all of them out there at once for them. So I sometimes I'll just write them down. And I've got some ideas that hopefully we can do. And, and it's going to be, have to be sort of in steps. We can't do it all at once, I don't think. But I think, you know, I always tell them, let the Holy Spirit lead us, and God will give us the right moves to make it to proper times. We just have to then follow uh, what he tells us to go. We just have to, to move forward at that time. And I think things will, will happen in a real positive way. Sounds good. Sounds good. So keep an eye on Kansas Avenue and Oakland United Methodist Churches in Topeka. So yes. Phil Anderson, very busy guy, former newspaper guy, current TV guy, and a pastor in the middle of course of study. Thank you for being on Potluck. David, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for all the work you guys do. I, I will say this, and I've told many people, the folks that are in the communications area here for the Great Plains Conference are absolutely fantastic. You guys do a, a super job. It makes our job easier because you get the word out. You keep us informed. I really hope all the members in this denomination, in this area, the Kansas, Nebraska area, take advantage of your hard work because it's fantastic, the, the Wednesday communications and then throughout the week. So we, we thank you for all you do also. Well, thank you. Well, we will definitely save that part of it for the edit. Thanks, <laughs> Phil. Potluck is copyright 2020 by the Great Plains Conference. I'm your host, David Burke. Our producers are Todd Seifert and Eugenio Hernandez. Our music comes via a license from Postcom Music. We hope you'll join us next time for Potluck. We'll save you a place at the table. <laughs> <laughs>